can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. So, honey, you've made it back from New Zealand. Um, It looked like you were at some kind of hot spring every single day, multiple times a day. Am I incorrect in that assumption or? It was was a hot spring every day. So, the place that I was, if you don't follow me on Instagram, um, it was... Uh, in the Rotorua area and that is like a vol uh, there's like volcanoes and geothermal activity so everywhere you go is like steamy and there's like it's the most amazing place like Mm. I can't even describe how weird it is to turn up in like a town and there's just bubbling water coming out of the street and there's like steam everywhere and I was like imagine the people that live there like I would be nervous that all of a sudden like a you know like a shooting hot boiling water would come would come out of the floor yeah and like the temperatures was it really warm you go into like a hot spring so I went to like a it was like a not a pool. So some of them where they create pools and you get into a pool, this was actually you get into the lake oh. and it was like boiling hot. Really? Like beautiful, like like a super hot bath. Are there um, any skin benefits of these like hot springs? Um, yes, apparently there is. I don't okay. know what though. But it's okay. like if you went to like we went to a mineral spring. Yeah. I think that's good. And there's actually a list of all the ingredients. I will say though there's like. I saw arsenic on there and I was uh, a bit confused by that. There's, yes. But, yeah, they they put up in the hot springs like the kinds of ingredients that are in there. Yeah, wow. And it's all just natural. Natural, yeah. Like it just comes from the ground. Yep. Yeah, it's it comes crazy. from like the spring. I think you'd really like I don't know. Would you get in the? I wouldn't get in a lake, no. I'd get in a pool. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't get in a lake? No, I wouldn't. I'm a bit scared of water, to be honest with you. <laughs> and then the weird, I think I Henna definitely came out. Did like she? Ad- adventure Henna. Not not sexy holiday Henna, oh. but adventure Henna. Yes. Yeah. I just did things that I would never, ever do. I think COVID has turned me into like a different person. Like the giant swing? It was like a baby bungee jump. Yeah. So Micah, who actually works at a door, we're sitting next to each other in the swing and we go out and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then the guy goes, so would you like me to count down or? And then he let us go. And you you drop like 70 kilometres an hour and it's a 50-metre drop and you just drop. And I, oh, my God, I was was shaking for hours after, shaking. Wow, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you pack in terms of skincare and beauty stuff? So I p- actually packed a new serum because I didn't really pack a whole heap because I only had 30 kilos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, this is pretty hardcore, but I've been using um, retinol every day. So my skin is pretty good at the moment with retinol. So it's the Dermalist Age Defying Multi Complex. And the reason this is really good is because it's like got everything. So it's got retinol, peptides. Vitamin C, resveratrol, niacinamide, and hyaluronic acid. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that was way too much for my skin, so I cannot yeah. cannot relate to that. <laughs> I did that a couple of times, and then the other thing that I brought was um, I bought some sachets, which is really mm-hmm. good if you hold on to your like sachet samples. Oh yeah, 
I took like single serums yep. that I could that I could use. SPF, obviously. Uh, what else did I take? Hair care. Hair care. I took the Coco and Eve shampoo and conditioner because I'm mm-hmm. trying that at the moment, and I think that was kind of it. I weirdly took a whole bag of makeup and didn't use it really. Well. Yeah. Did you go out anywhere? No. I feel like it was more of a, yeah, it was no. more of a chill. There was a couple of cute guys. I did whitewater rafting and there was a couple of mm. cute guys who like are the instructors and they uh. come in the boat with you. But if you saw what I was wearing, you'd be like, <laughs> you've got like a helmet and you're in like full wetsuit and then like a wasn't a sexy look. Was that scary, so, that whitewater rafting? Yes. Uh, the yeah. so the what the raft it went down the waterfall on like a what's that like like it went from ninety being degree upright angle. and then it went totally like ninety degrees ninety degrees <laughs> <laughs> and then we went we went down into the water and I thought we'd flipped over and basically it hit my face so hard that <gasps> I thought water had gone into my brain oh. it was like I I was like oh my god because I got out and my brain was hurting and oh, I was like that can't be good no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. So you wouldn't recommend that one? No, I loved it. Oh, okay. Apart from the sore brain. Such a good trip. So what is on today's episode, Hannah? On today's episode, I am getting a mole check and a mole mm-hmm. map for the Cringy Combo. We're speaking to Yadira Couchy on post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. Sorry, Joe, I didn't wear my sexy undies. Um, that's okay. <laughs> you look you look nice regardless. <laughs> Hannah's uh, just got her underwear on in front of me. We're at Mole Map in South Melbourne. We have Layla and Niati joining us this morning. Uh, they're going to talk us through what's actually involved in a Mole Map or a skin check. I was just having a chat to Niati about how it actually works and it's so interesting. I didn't know this, but the images that are taken of your moles are sent off to dermatologists to make sure that it's not melanoma. So we're going to go through the whole process. They'll explain what happens when you come in for a skin check and Hannah's going to have all of her moles I checked. I feel very exposed. Joe's just staring at my face, making sure she doesn't look down. Okay. All right. So uh, Layla, can you talk us through what we're about to do? All right, so Hannah's here for a skin check. Um, so skin check, one of our shortest appointment. It's about 20 minutes altogether. Uh, we'll get the patient in, get her undressed. Uh, we'll offer a gown if that makes her feel more comfortable or sometimes the room can be cold. Chosen. <laughs> no, no <laughs> gown, fine. So she decided not to wear a gown. <laughs> and then we'll get her to have a seat and I'll start checking her skin from the scalp to the sole of her feet. If um, there is any concern to her, um, obviously I'll address that and um, I'll check every single spots and moles or uh, lesions on the surface of the skin. Um, if I find anything concerning, I'm going to image that with the um, specific scanner, camera, and also um, a Nikon camera as well to get a body shot and then map the lesion on the body shot. I'll explain everything when I do it, and we'll send that off for diagnosis. Uh, the dermatologist on the other end will receive the images, will go through them along with all the notes that I have provided for them. So it's pretty much like they have actually seen the patient, but they haven't. Um, they find that if there is any possibility of a uh, melanoma in there or any melanocytic 
signs in there. And if there is, uh, then they'll write down a report to the dermatologist, uh, to the patient, uh, they'll direct the report to the patient, and the patient will receive the report via email. And if there is any possibility of a melanoma, then they have to go and get their uh, lesion removed. Right. Do I point out things that I'm like, oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Because I have that every time I get a mole. I'm like, Same. Oh, what's that? Yeah. Oh, what's I'll that? look at everything, yeah, everything in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that looks suspicious. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I think every single mole is suspicious. Even though I go every year to have a skin mm. check. Um, yeah. How I'm often paranoid. would you recommend getting a mole map? Um, every 12 months, that's okay. the recommendation, unless you're like super high risk, mm-hmm. like both parents had melanomas or um, you have had a melanoma yourself in the past, you're at risk of getting another one, obviously, for the first three years. So that would be every six months. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, moderate risk factors would be 12 monthly checks. Okay. So just a few questions, um, Hannah, before we start. Um, have you had a melanoma or any type of skin cancer in the past? No. How about anyone in the family? Like the um, immediate family. No melanoma, but um, grandparents have had skin cancers. Like the small skin cancers. Small, yeah. Those are called non-melanoma skin cancers. They're usually small, usually appear around the face. Yes. And um, they just, because they grow on the surface, they can be removed and non-dangerous. So they're not as dangerous as melanoma. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. All right, no problem. Have you used um, solarium beds in the past yeah. to get tanned? Okay. <laughs> so how ago. often do you think you used it? For a couple of years probably. I did it not super regularly but maybe like when I had an event on. Yeah. I just have to write that note for the dermatologist so they know that you've been exposed oh. to a great deal of UV in the past. Yes. Yeah. Shame. Shame. I know. It's okay. I've been there too. Oh. We all make mistakes. Like my formal yeah. Before my formal, um, I don't, I don't even want to talk about it. Like things it, I did before I schoolies. <laughs> I cannot even believe that solariums were Same. legal. I can't at one believe point. that people are still going to illegal ones. If you're <laughs> still going to an illegal solarium, <laughs> this is your honestly, notice. This is your notice. I'm coming you. for you. <laughs> Great. So, do you remember ever being sunburnt really badly, like blistering? Yeah. Not, no, 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 not blistering. No. But yes, I've been sunburnt before. Yeah. yeah, to peeling. Yes, several times. You'd say. Yes. Mm, all right. No problem. I'm ready now. Great. So when you're ready, you can have a sit here with your back towards me. All right. Oh, <laughs> Anna's really fallen off the chair. <laughs> this is not my usual setting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So Layla has this little um, magnifying glass looking contraption and is looking through Hannah's hair now at her scalp. It is absolutely possible to grow a mole or a lesion or a spot on the scalp. So um, when you are looking for a melanoma, Niadi, maybe you can tell us what are the things that you look for when you're assessing images that get sent to you for assessment? So there's actually a science behind it. It's called basically we look at the demoscopy images of a mole, so very highly magnified, up to 20 times. And we're looking for things like variegation in pigment. That's number one. We also look for any uh, irregular blood vessels within the lesion. Basically, if I cut up a mole into quarters, that each quarter should look the same. And if it isn't, then I'm worried. And the mole itself could have also changed very subtle. So um, it could be just a tiny extra dot from a photo I took three months ago, and that could be enough for me to take out a mole. And I've had patients where they've had a melanoma as a result. A couple other things, if they've got a grey look to them as well, but it's very hard to see that on actual 
when you look at your own skin. Mm -hmm. So you really need a magnified look at it and have it looked at by someone who knows what they're doing. But I think that individually as patients, you can actually monitor your moles because we've got smartphones now. So really Mm -hmm. important if you're worried about something, take a photo of a mole review it again, take a photo another week later, two weeks later, four weeks later, and see if that mole's changing because the change is the key. Mm-hmm. And if it is bleeding or itchy or symptomatic in any way. Yeah. Wow. That's actually a really good tip. And a lot of people ask, is it okay to just go to a GP to have a skin check? Because I tend to go to you know a specialist just to be a hundred percent sure. Is that the best thing to do? Or is a GP usually trained to detect melanoma? Everyone's been trained. Um, definitely, if you go to a skin, they call skin doctor, skin uh, specialist. Um, they're not necessarily dermatologists, but they've done extra training. So they're a good way to start. But if you're ever concerned about something yourself as a patient, I have a very low threshold for taking those moles out because often a patient will come in and tell me, I've had this for years, no one's done anything about it, but I'm really worried. And then I'll take a little small sample and it will come back as a very early melanoma if they're very lucky gps are fantastic at sort of reviewing every part of our body so um, they're a bit stretched and with such a huge incidence of melanoma we have the highest in the world and we have 550 dermatologists for the entire country is that right Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm shocked to find out that we only have 550 dermatologists in Australia because I know that the waiting list to get in to see a dermatologist is quite extensive. So it is good to have options like Mole Map that offer the opportunity to get a skin check and you are still having it reviewed by a dermatologist. It's just not in person. And actually you don't need a referral, so you can just book online, whereas one of the key factors to see a dermatologist is you need a GP referral to get rebate back. There is a lesion that sits right under your bra on the bottom part of the bra just looks a little bit traumatized i might actually image that Mm -hmm. there is a little bit of unevenness in there it could be because the bra is rubbing on top of it Mm -hmm. it could be um, or it could be because it's an unusual mold that grow grow there we'll just image that and we'll set it up for diagnosis mostly for your own peace of mind all right if you stand up please or have a look at the abdomen area oh I just wanted to also say a lot of um, patients don't realize that you can get melanomas on the soles of your feet or in your genitals or in your mouth. So not in areas that are sun exposed. So really important when you go home, you check those areas on a regular basis because I've had a personally an 18-year-old patient with three vulvar melanomas and I've had a young lady with a slow growing melanoma on the heel of her foot. So really, really important that you do monitor those areas too. All right, so you've got the nail polish on. It's possible to get a mold under the nails. Mm-hmm. So um, next time you have your nail polish removed, just have a good look yourself. Yep. Um, the moles under the nails are usually like a little black dot or a line. They come as a form of a line. Mm-hmm. So if you noticed any of those when you had your nail polish removed, just come back for a revisit okay. and we'll have a look at it. When you were saying, because you had a look at that one on my butt, above my butt and you were like that's benign how what what do you see that says oh that's benign the borders are all even yep. the colors are the color and features and the characteristics of the mold um, completely evenly distributed within the mold yeah and so when i see that evenness i'm 100 percent sure and when i ask you have you mm-hmm. had that for a long time yeah, you say, oh that. it's been there for years yeah. have you noticed any changes not at all mm-hmm. then I notice your legs are uh, very dry. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks. So dry skin is usually more susceptible to problems. Right. So that's why they usually, when you go out um, and it's a windy day, yeah. you tend to get sunburn easier. It's because mm-hmm. the wind dries your skin mm-hmm. and dry skin gets a little bit more sensitive to it. I think that's because I've been in New Zealand and I haven't moisturized. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> <So, That's> embarrassing. <laughs> She's all right. (laughs) She's used to it. That's really interesting. I didn't know that, that on a windier day, you may be more likely to get more burnt. And alcohol. So if you drink alcohol and you're out in the sun on a beach and drinking away your Mm. margarita or Bloody Mary, you're more likely to sunburn. (gasps) So it's really important actually try not to drink or drink very little when you're outside in the sun. Noted. Noted. Uh, Australians are not good at that. I'm going to put that out there. So Layla's just taking some photos now of Hannah's uh, mole under her. But oh, I can see that. Can you see it? Yeah. Mm, suspicious. <laughs> I would have, if I'd seen that, I would have said the same thing. So Niati, how many moles would you review every day? Um, so we have a roster-based system and um, we often, in a year, we would see about, in Australia, at least 50,000 images, wow. not patients, but images. Mm. And some patients have up to 80 to 90 mm. wow. photos taken of their moles. So on an average weekly, we can vary between 100 to 200. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's we do it after hours. So mm-hmm. we tend to see our patients during the day and then yeah. do the... Wow. Review. Maybe I don't want to be a dermatologist. That seems like a lot of work. <laughs> so what Layla's doing now, she's got a an image up and she's kind of placing, what would we call it, on like an animation where the mole is on Hannah's body. Don't know how to explain that very clearly. The avatar? Yeah, the avatar. Yeah. So we map the region. Yeah. It's a male. <laughs> I was going to say, my avatar's got a six pack. <laughs> So she's just taking the very close-up photo on the special skin scanning camera. And one of the things that Mole Map's doing, which is very exciting, is that we are now looking at all the images that we have and creating an artificial intelligence algorithm. So eventually we will be making a camera which will be allowing us to diagnose patients on the spot. Mm, That's really cool. Wow. And so to have a check like this for any of our audience members who want to come and have this done, what kind of cost could they expect? Uh, That's um, for the short skin check, which is suitable for people that don't have a lot of moles, like Hannah. Uh, We usually charge $149. Mm -hmm. That's for a short skin check. But we also have a skin check plus full body photography, which is mostly recommended for people that have more lesions Mm -hmm. or they have a lot on their back and they can't see it or keep Mm -hmm. an eye on it. Also, people that have a lot of moles plus they have family history of melanoma, we recommend full body mole mapping. And that's when you do the full body photography plus you map all the lesions on the surface of the skin. It's a bit more expensive. That's $400. -hmm. Yeah. But every 12 months, we re-image all those lesions and monitor them over the years. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Niati and Layla, for doing this for us. Um, For anyone who wants to have a mole map done, we're at South Melbourne, but they have multiple locations around Australia that you can um, go and have your moles checked. 
So I feel like we might have touched on this topic a little bit when we spoke about hyperpigmentation in previous episodes, but today we are honing in on post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation with dermal therapist Yadira Couchy. You might have seen Yads on our channels already. So Yads is from Extra Clinic in Canberra, if anyone is looking for an excellent dermal therapist in Canberra. But today we're going to talk about PIHP. What is post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation and why does it happen? So post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is a subject super close to my heart. It's something that I experience. It looks like dark marks on your skin, but it essentially just pops up after your skin experiences any type of trauma. So I'm sure a lot of people have had it um, post-acne. You know when you pick at a spot? Not that I'm condoning picking at a spot, (laughs) but then it leaves a dark mark. That's post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. But you can also get it post-trauma to the skin. So following any bad clinical treatment, like a bad micro, bad chemical peel, bad laser, they can also trigger post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. As can surgery, you can get post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation all over the body. The trauma basically encourages the release of the inflammatory cells that cause the melanocytes, which are uh, pigment-producing cells to produce more pigment to the skin. It's super common in people with acne-prone skin. The intensity of the acne generally... the determines the depth of the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. One thing I need to say, though, like if you do have acne, people need to minimise the irritation in their skin before you start trying to treat the PIHP. Mm-hmm. And there's two kinds of post-inflammatory marks. Can you explain the difference between PIHP and PIE? So PIE is probably more common in people who are a Fitzpatrick 1 to 3, so a lighter skin type. It's essentially inflammation-based as well, except the marks that are left behind on the skin are generally a pink, a dark purple, um, or can even be a red. Sometimes it's because of damage to the small blood vessels under the skin, whereas the pigmentation is melanin-based. And it happens in people that are Fitzpatrick 4 and above. So anybody that has a skin of colour, if you're an African descent, if you are from the Middle East, South American like I am, you can be prone to post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Asian skin types, Anyone can really get it, but skin of colour is probably more prone to post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, whereas Fitzpatrick's 1 to 3 are probably most prone to post-inflammatory erythema. Mm-hmm. Um, why are some people more prone to post-inflammatory scarring than others? That's generally due to the melanin in the skin and the people that pick at their skin. So that's why when I say if you have acne-prone mm. skin, we need to minimise the irritation in your skin before we try to treat the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation because it's the irritation that is going to essentially lead to the scarring and the pigment. So if you have acne-prone skin and you know that you are a picker, my number one suggestion would probably be to get yourself some pimple patches because they're going to stop you from picking at your skin. Even if you aren't acne-prone, I know that with my skin type, anytime that I get a pimple, because I'm not acne-prone, I will pick at it, even though I'm a dermal therapist. And the scar is worse than the actual spot. And it doesn't. the only thing that will stop me doing that is a pimple patch. So definitely focus on reducing the inflammation and the irritation in the skin is my number one recommendation and then look at treating the the pigmentation and like Mm -hmm. I know like I work in this industry like I know that if I squeeze a pimple and then it kind of like if I just keep keep going at it and at it and at it I know what's going to happen but I just can't help it like I just I just want to pick at it And I just want it to be flat. I still have spots on my skin. This is how long it takes for pigmentation to go away. Like when I was pregnant with my first 
child, I got hormonal acne and the scars that were left, he's now almost six. I still have them on my skin, even though Mm. I get clinical treatments, Mm. I use cosmeceutical skincare. It can take months or years to go away. That's why it's really bad in some people who don't look after their skin and they get it and then they're not wearing SPF. So SPF is super important because you want to prevent it from getting worse. Um, Mm -hmm. And then obviously using the right skincare at home. But prevention is the key. Would some people be more prone to scars that last longer? Because I know for me, probably the reason I pick at it, because they actually do fade really, mine fade really quickly because I get them when I've had a pimple. Is it, do different people kind of have a different reaction? I guess so. It, de- it depends on the skin. Yeah. I would say that people that don't look after their skin will probably have um, more of a chance of the scars staying for longer. So if you know what you're doing with your skincare, which obviously you do, perhaps that's speeding it along. But a lot of people don't exfoliate their skin or they don't wear Mm. sunscreen. Really important things when treating um, pigmentation. And then you're getting the people that come into clinic and actually treat it in clinic. That is amazing for it. And also to determine the type of pigmentation that they have, because perhaps it's not post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, perhaps it's some other type Mm. of pigmentation and people don't realize what it is. So it's Mm -hmm. super important to get it assessed before you start treating it. How could people actually avoid um, that kind of scarring? And if they don't do anything like skincare wise or treatment wise, will it go away on its own? It can definitely go away. It depends on the depth. So my number one recommendation is to minimize the irritation in the skin while you have the active acne. Don't pick at any spots. Easier said than done. (laughs) Easier said than done. Don't go to crappy places to get skin treatments. I know I I see all the time, I even get emails from some places saying, you know, $40 chemical peels, but is it really worth it? I just, Mm. I wouldn't even want to risk it. And if you are treating um, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation at home, are there any like specific ingredients or products that you would recommend for someone that has got PIH? Definitely. I I don't want this to sound overwhelming, but it's going to sound overwhelming. Um, (laughs) It's... It's not really a lot of different products, but it's just ingredients that your skin needs to help lighten the pigmentation. So obviously number one is SPF. It's not sexy at all, but it's going to prevent your pigmentation getting worse. So wearing a broad spectrum, UVA, UVB, SPF, every single day is my number one recommendation. Secondly, retinoids, any type of vitamin A is great for pigmentation. It's great for acne. It's it's like gold standard in clinic. So if you can use a retinol a few times a week, I definitely would recommend that. It's not great for all skin types, but if you can tolerate it, yes. A tyrosinase inhibiting serum. So this is essentially um, a serum that's going to stop the melanin in your skin getting worse. You might actually be prescribed a serum, like a tyrosinase inhibiting serum in clinic if you're going to get chemical peels or any type of laser as well. So uh, tyrosinase is an enzyme in our skin that's responsible for the production of melanin. And using a serum like this is just going to prevent it getting worse. There are so many that I love and adore beauty. I don't even know where to begin. Cosmetic Simply Brilliant is one that I use post-pregnancy does have a little bit of salicylic acid in it, but you can discuss that with your doctor. Aspect Pigment Punch Plus, I think it's called, is also really great. It's so good. I used it throughout my entire pregnancy last time. And kojic acid, arbutin, certain licorice extracts, um, tranexamic acid, they're all great ingredients to look for. And also an AHA chemical exfoliant. Everyone should be exfoliating weekly, especially if you've got PAHP. I love my acids. 
uh, glycolic acid would probably be my recommendation just because the molecule is smaller, it can penetrate deeper, which means that you're going to get a better result. But I know that not every skin type loves glycolic acid. So if that's an ingredient that doesn't work for you, definitely look for a lactic. On Adore Beauty, the sleep glycolic is amazing. I don't know if anyone's tried that. It's the Medicaid one. Oh, yeah, it's, I've tried that it's one. It's like a cream. Yep. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. And it's not irritating at all. And anytime I use it, I wake up and I'm just like, what did I use last night? You know when you forget <laughs> what you used? Yeah. <laughs> like my skin <laughs> looks so good. It's such a great product. Um, a vitamin B and a vitamin C are pretty standard to any routine. Again, uh, vitamin B, anyone can tolerate. It does a whole range of things like regulate serum production in acne-prone skin. It's anti-inflammatory. It's great while you're treating the acne to prevent post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, but it can also assist lightening the skin when you've got the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation as well. Vitamin C is an antioxidant that brightens the skin, really great for free radical damage. Not everyone can tolerate vitamin C, so just it depends. You have to have a play around with the ingredients and see what works for you. What would you recommend in terms of professional treatments? So pigmentation is a really hard thing to treat. Um, it's more about just preventing it from getting worse and you can lighten it a little bit. I would say chemical peels and laser treatments, but before you book yourself in for any of those treatments, I would say get like book in for a consultation. A consultation mm-hmm. is so important when it comes to pigmentation. Otherwise, you you don't know what you're treating. You need to see someone that is qualified to assess the type of pigmentation on your skin. I've got this little, um, because I'm probably a Fitzpatrick too, I've got a little, I had a little blemish on the side of my head. It was like a blind pimple, which I would never normally have. It must have been like a hair product I used or something. And it's been there for ages. I reckon it's probably been five weeks now. And because I don't really take my products into my hairline, I'm struggling to like fade it. Is there anything in particular that you'd recommend for post-inflammatory erythema as opposed to the stuff that you recommended for the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation? Niacinamide definitely would be an ingredient yeah, for you to already look flashing at. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you tried the phytocorrective? I don't, there's a phytocorrective range um, by SkinCeuticals. That's really, really great for inflammation. There's a phytocorrective gel. Okay. Um, it's got yep. a lot of anti-inflammatory ingredients, really great for redness, really great for rosacea or any type of irritation. Mm-hmm. Um, even I use that sometimes if I overdo it on the acids and my skin is just red and just a little bit irritated. That's a really, really great range. Amazing. All right. Well, I think that's all of our questions that we had on post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Thanks for joining us today, Yad. Product we didn't know we needed. Hannah, I have something shocking to share with you. Uh, so what's happened? It's- well, a few weeks ago, I shared on my story my childhood hand-painted brush that my aunt I gave me know. when I was it about was seven so years cute. old. So that brush is now 21 years old. People were DMing me left, right and centre. They were like, oh, my God, it's in such good condition. Like, I don't know what she painted it with, but it's lasted really well. It is starting to decay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. So I have been on the lookout for another brush that I can stand and I honestly have not found one up until recently and I wasn't expecting to find it. So I had received a few um, GHD things in the mail and in there was a GHD paddle brush. And for some reason I just thought, oh, maybe this will be similar to my normal hairbrush that I would normally use because it looked kind of 
similar in the in the bristles and I think it's the other bristles mm-hmm. on other brushes I just don't like and so I started using it I've been using it now for maybe two months and I just was really apprehensive to say anything because it is a big move to move away from your 21 year old hairbrush onto yep. something new but I can it's like a breakup I know I know it's, it's still going to remain in the drawer I just think maybe she's more of an heirloom now than mm-hmm. you know something I will use daily so the brush that has taken the place of my childhood hairbrush is the GHD paddle brush. I just didn't expect to really love it, but I do. It feels exactly like my childhood hairbrush. I love how you are very specific on your brushes. Can you paint it? I think that would be really nice. Maybe not. I'll ask my auntie if she can paint the back of it. Also, can you create a replica? There's a business idea, like hand-painted brushes by Joanna. No, my auntie should do Etsy because she's such a good painter she's so creative she does these like handmade cards it's amazing like you should see the she makes it's like crazy but yeah I have decided to put that aside I'm just going to keep it I might even put it in like a maybe a a clear glass box or something where I can just admire it from afar but I am daily now using the GHD paddle brush I'm really enjoying it for my hair I have very knotty hair which is incredibly hard to brush through when it's wet, but this seems to do a really good job of it. So that's my product. I didn't know I needed. I've been saving that one for a while. I really wanted to be sure about it. (laughs) I really loved when you posted that brush. Mm. I thought that's, I actually sent you a message and said that's so off brand for you. I know. Yeah, it was a bit, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but I love it. Yeah. And so many people knew what it was. I just wrote, if you know, you know. And so many people (laughs) like, I know. So my product today is the It Cosmetics Your Skin But Better Setting Spray. I actually just spray this. I I sometimes just spray this on my face when I um, don't even have makeup on. Oh, yeah. Because it's also a hydration spray. Okay. The reason why I like it so much is it contains hyaluronic acid, aloe vera, and coconut water. Mm -hmm. Nice. And so it helps to extend your makeup, but it's also really refreshing. Um, But how do setting sprays do that up to 16 hours makeup wear? What is that? How do they do that? I mean, I don't know. Well, it says here it's got long wear polymers give makeup strong but flexible hold that lasts all day while mattifying powders absorb excess oil and keep shine at bay. Yeah, right. All right. It's good because it's for all skin types. You know me. I don't like like a really matte makeup you don't. look even though I've got oily yeah. skin. I'm trying <laughs> to get dewy. Still surprises I want dewy. <laughs> I want dewy and I've, I have perfected the dewy, the dewy makeup for oily skin. Mm. Um, and this is because I don't generally do setting sprays because I forget. Yes, so That's, do I. I love the YSL setting spray. So um, that is mine. Great. You've got a life update for us, Joe. I've got a life update. I am moving house. I did not buy a house, just to clarify. Um, I'm moving into a rental because I could not stay with my parents any longer. So, <laughs> How do your um, parents feel about it? Oh, I'm sure they'll miss me. <laughs> oh, they might be happy um, you're gone. No, I think they're happy I'm leaving. Yeah. Yes. So I'm moving in with my best friend, Oh, which should be a fun time. What's the natural light like? So I've got two windows on each side of my bedroom, which is great. Yeah. So I think the natural light's going to be great. The natural mm-hmm. light in the living area is great. So, you know, good selfie lighting, um, which we all need when we're looking for mm-hmm. a home. But it's more just trying to fit all of my stuff. Like I think because mm. I've come from being in a bigger house where I've got more places to store things and now I'm going into a smaller house and I'm like, where do I put 
my skincare. Where are you going to put it? Can you get some more trolleys? No, I think I'm going to keep the trolley. Uh, there's drawers and things in the bathroom, but I don't know how I'm going to fit all of it in there. And I'm going to be sharing that bathroom eventually with our other friend when she comes back from London. So uh, good luck to her trying to share mm. bathroom space with me. That's That would be a nightmare. But I mean, she does also get access to all of my products if she wanted to. So I'll figure that out. I might post some stories about how I'm figuring out my storage, but I don't know where my makeup drawers are going to go. It's, you know, it's a whole thing. So, But you're excited. I am excited, yeah. There'll be plenty of TikToks coming from me. Uh, me and my friend like to make TikToks in our spare time. So, Is that the friend that you do um, the reels, the travel reels with? Yes, yes, Yeah, love those. Yeah. She's great. So she creates that content for yes, you. Yes, yeah. Good but friend. she's taken a lot of training, like to train someone up to the level I expect them to be at. Like we're natural content yep. creators. I can trust yeah. you to get the content wherever we go. That's me in a friendship. <laughs> I will get photos of everyone. Like yeah. my my sister-in-law just knows I'm always going to get the best photos of my nephew. She just trusts me with that job. My family gets annoyed at me and then everyone's happy because I exactly. get all the footage of the, like, so my mum's 60th, everyone's like annoyed that I'm filming everything. And then I put together like a reels and everyone's yeah. like, oh my God, that's so fun. And yeah. it's memories. They know what they're exactly. like. So it's annoying at the time, but you'll be happy after. Yeah. But it doesn't take a lot of time to take some photos and videos to look back on. But yeah, she's, I've definitely had to do some training with her, uh, but she's certainly improved in her um, skills. Like the things that she was filming beforehand, I was like, that's not going to go <laughs> in the <you>, reel. <laughs> do you ever get, do you ever get your mum? Cause I get my mum to take photos of me for like feed oh, posts that I have to I do. I tried to get her to take a photo of me the other day <laughs> mum says that I get so angry at her she's like um yep sure and she just keeps quiet because I get really frustrated oh. no no she's like I know you're just frustrated at yourself yes you're not getting the shot but the frustration is taken out on her yes very much so it's just yeah. frustrating not being able to someone doesn't know your angles you know, yep. I can get a shot of you every single time. <laughs> that was actually something in New Zealand that annoyed me. Like, uh, Mark, I'd ask someone take to take photos. a photo. No, but I'd ask someone to take a photo and they take two photos. Yes. And I'm like, that's not enough options. So when we were in Tasmania, we we're at a winery and there was this couple there and they were trying to take selfies. And Hattie, my friend, goes to me, just go over there and offer. Just do it. I know yep. you want to. And I was like, yep, okay, this is my moment. I go over there. I'm like, do you guys want me to take the photo for you? I literally took about a thousand photos of them. Yep. They were like, oh my God, this is great. And they so they had all of these photos. They had so many to choose from. I was telling them to move around, got a few candid mm-hmm. pics. I'm just like, honestly doing God's work out here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, um, that's all we have time for today. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. 